Amen. Thank you very much. Um, so we're on page 1180 of the, the Bibles in front of you, and we're going to focus on um, the first probably uh, eight, nine verses of, the, of chapter three. It's quite a long section, so we're going to focus in on those, those first few verses. We're journeying through the book of Philippians, and so far the, the themes that we've come, come out with is the theme of uh, koinonia, the theme of fellowship, the theme of partnership, the theme of relationship, family. And Paul is writing to the Philippians and saying, guys, if you live out this theme of relationship, you are going to shine like stars. Build relationships with one another. That's what's going to make you radically different to those who are around you. But in chapter 3, he changes tack slightly, and he addresses an issue that it's clear from verse 1 that he has already spoken to them about or written to them about. And it's an issue that is fundamental to their faith. And Paul addresses it in very, very strong terms because he recognizes that if this isn't dealt with, then it brings into question everything that they are doing. And so he starts off in verse 2, and he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. This is fairly harsh language from Paul in the midst of a a letter that has been uh, very beautiful and very poetic. All of a sudden, he's now on the front foot. And what Paul is doing is he's addressing a threat to the Philippians' faith from a group who claimed that in order to have a relationship with God, not only did you have to have faith in Jesus, you also had to be circumcised. And we read about this in Acts 15, chapter 1, that says the following. Um, The group, this is their kind of theological statement, if you like. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And Paul refutes that in the strongest possible terms by calling these, these people who hold to this theology evildoers. Their theology is not something that is kind of neutral. Actually, it's detrimental to the faith of the Philippians. And he doesn't just call them evildoers, he calls them dogs. Now, both in our culture and in their culture, that's a fairly, fairly harsh term. But it has an extra layer of meaning that Paul is playing on here because back in uh, the biblical times, the word dog was used to refer to people who were Gentiles, those who were not part of the people of God. We see an example of this in uh, Mark chapter 7 where Jesus is talking with a Syrophoenician woman who comes to him and says, my daughter is unwell, please will you heal her? And Jesus makes this rather harsh statement where he says it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. What he's saying there is this, actually my mission at the moment is to the the Jewish people. My mission is not beyond the Jewish people at the moment. And her response is this, well actually even the dogs eat the crumbs under the children's table. She's saying, I hear you Jesus, but I still want some of it. And Jesus goes, you know what, that's an incredible answer. Your daughter is healed. And so what Paul is saying here, playing on this term, is that actually those people who are claiming that in order to have a relationship with God, not only do you need faith, but you need to be physically circumcised, they are actually people who are not part of God's people. They are outside of God's community. 
And the irony is that actually the Philippians, those who would have historically been considered Gentiles because they were not part of the Jewish uh, group, they're not part of the Jewish faith, they are the ones who are the true people of God. And then he hammers it home, which is perhaps an unfortunate turn of phrase given what I'm about to talk about. He calls them mutilators of the flesh. A lovely topic for us at 11.30 on a Sunday morning. He says, the act of circumcision is no more than mutilating the flesh. It has no spiritual significance whatsoever. So for these people who are telling you, believers in Philippi, that you need to be circumcised as well as having faith in Christ Jesus, don't bother. If you get circumcised, the only difference is you've lost a bit of skin. That's it. Paul reclaims the term circumcision in verse 3. He says, we are the circumcision. He says, these people that are going around saying, well, we're the circumcision, we, we think you should be circumcised. Paul goes, well, no, no, no. We are the circumcision, those who believe that relationship with God comes through faith in Christ. And he's referring to the Old Testament where the prophets talk about our hearts being circumcised and us being filled with the Spirit of God. And he goes on in verse 3, and he says this, that actually it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit. The hallmark of someone in relationship with God is someone who has the Holy Spirit, not someone who's been physically circumcised. Those who are in relationship with God through Christ, they boast in Christ Jesus. They put their confidence in Christ Jesus. They put their trust in Christ Jesus. They say, the only reason that I am in relationship with God is because of what Jesus has done for me. I put my full trust in him. And I put, as it says in verse 3, no confidence in the flesh. I put no confidence in anything that I have done or tried to do that makes me worthy of relationship with God. It's nothing that I've done. It's all about Jesus. And Paul goes on, and in verses 4 to 6, if you like, he gives us his spiritual CV. He says to the Philippians, let me remind you of my story, because I thought I had it all sorted out. I thought that I had everything that I needed in order to have relationship with God. So he lists four things that he got on his CV through his birth, and three things that he added to his CV through things he did. And so he starts off by saying, well, I was circumcised on the eighth day. And under the Old Testament law, Jewish boys had to be taken to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day as a sign that they were part of the, the community. And Paul says, well, I did that. Tick. I'm now in right standing with God. I've done what he's asked me to do. Next, I'm of the people of Israel. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Um, I wasn't a convert to Judaism. Both of my parents were, were Jews, so I am fully Jewish. I'm part of the people. Tick, tick. And he says, actually, not only that, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. And Benjamin was considered out of the 12 tribes to be one of the good tribes. They gave Israel its first king. King Saul came from the tribe of Benjamin. They sided with Judah when Israel split in two, when the northern ten tribes rebelled against King David. Benjamin sided with, with King David. 
And actually, the, the holy city of Jerusalem was within the, the territory of Benjamin. So Paul says, if you want to come from a good part of Israel, I came from that. Tick. So far, I'm doing pretty good. God's going to look at me and be pretty impressed. I've been circumcised. I'm a, a fully Jewish person, and I'm from a good part of Israel. So far, excellent. And he says, but not only that, let me tell you what else I did. I was someone who followed the teaching of the Pharisees. And the Pharisaical teaching was deemed to be the highest, best teaching, the closest, most faithful to Scripture. And Paul says, well, that was the teaching I followed. Big tick for me. I'm still doing very well. But also, not only that, if you want someone who is devoted to God, who was zealous, who was passionate about God, look no further than me. When this other weird movement started, you know what? I tried to actually stamp it out by killing them. I was so zealous for God. I wanted to show God how much I, I loved him. I wanted to put an end to this Christianity thing. Look no further than me. I'm still your guy, number one position, earning good relationship with God. And then he makes a slightly astonishing statement. He says, actually, in relation to the law, I was faultless. Now, Paul's not saying here that he's, he was 100% perfect because we read in Romans 7 that he struggled with covetousness and that was one of the requirements of the law. So he's not someone who is 100% perfect by any means. But what he's saying is, in terms of the external observance of the law, no one at any point went to the temple authorities and said, see that bloke Paul, um, I'm afraid he's not kept the Sabbath. Uh, he's broken the law. Paul's saying, no one has ever brought any charge against me. I am faultless in relation to the law. I am, if you want to have somebody who is ideally suited to relationship with God on the basis of what they've done, that's me. Look at my CV. Be impressed. But then Paul met Jesus. He was going on the road to Damascus going off to persecute some more Christians, and he meets Jesus. And that encounter radically changes his life. And we see that in verse 7, because he says this, but whatever were gains to me, whatever was on that spiritual CV, whatever I thought made me good, whatever I thought gave me favor with God, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul's doing a bit of maths here. He's, he's gone into an accounting terminology. He's, he's drawing up the gains. He's putting in that column everything that's going to give him favor with God. And he does a reckoning. He puts a line underneath it and he says, right, what does this get me? And he's expecting you know, a big score, a big thumbs up from God. Well done, Paul. You're my man. And he says, having met Christ, I realized everything that I had was not just zero, it was a loss. Relying on myself, going to God and saying, look at me, look how great I am, all these things I've done for you, was not only neutral, actually it was a hindrance to my relationship with God. Paul's message to the Philippians in the face of this group who are coming and saying, it's not just faith, you've got to get circumcised, you've got to do good works, you've got to keep the law. Paul says, Philippians, you need to know this. Don't believe 
that you need to be circumcised to be worthy of relationship with God. Don't believe that you need to keep certain things and do certain things to be worthy of relationship with God. There is only one thing that you need to be worthy of relationship with God, and that's what he says in verses 8 and 9. He says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God that comes from God on the basis of faith. Philippians, Paul says, you're worthy of relationship with God through faith and not flesh. Through faith in what Jesus has done, not through what you do. But then Paul goes further and he says, you know what? That encounter with Jesus didn't just change my theology. That encounter with Jesus changed my entire life's priorities. And we see between verse 7 and verse 8 how Paul has matured as a Christian. In verse 7, he says, I consider everything a loss. Sorry, whatever gains, whatever were my gains, I now consider loss. That's verse 7. And then in verse 8, he moves on. He says, I consider everything a loss. It wasn't just those things that were on my spiritual CV that were actually pretty worthless. Actually, everything that I'm putting value in, everything that I'm holding above Jesus Christ, it's a loss. In verse 7, he says, it's for the sake of Christ. But by the time we get to verse 8, he's saying, It's because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom and for whose sake I have lost all things. And he says, actually, you know what? These things that I've been finding my value in, these things that I've been using to make myself worthy of relationship with God, actually, they're not just loss. They're not just negative. They're garbage. The actual word there literally means dung. In comparison with Christ, in comparison with knowing Jesus, everything else is a complete loss. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't obviously do little bits in this, which I'll talk about in a minute. But in comparison with Jesus, everything else is a loss. He is of surpassing worth. Paul says, my life's mission now is this. I want to gain Christ and be found in him. Paul says to the Philippians, please hear this. You're worthy of relationship with God through faith in Jesus, not through what you do. But know this as well. Jesus is worth your all. And once you catch a sight of Jesus, once you meet with Jesus, suddenly everything else shifts. What you thought was worthwhile is as nothing in comparison with pursuing relationship with Jesus. So as we close, there's a couple of questions I'd like us to consider. And the first is this, where is it that we're trying to make ourselves worthy of God through what we do? Where are we trying to add to our faith? Where is it that we feel that we have to try to be a better Christian? And maybe we're in that place where we're like, you know what, I I just need to read my Bible more. I, I really need to pray more, so I've got to get up earlier. Um, I need to make sure that I tell Jesus to everybody that I meet. Um, I really need to make sure uh, that I'm fighting against those areas in my life where I know that Jesus isn't pleased. And well, How's that going for you? 
I wonder if it's tiring. I wonder if it's really quite hard work. And Jesus' message to us this morning is this. Give up trying to make yourself worthy of me through what you do. Because you already are. If you have faith in me, you are worthy. And then the things that you do, like reading your Bible, like prayer, like telling people, like fighting against the things that I'm showing you in your life that I'd like you to change, do that in my strength and not in yours. So maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, I, I just feel like I'm carrying these burdens of just trying to do it all in my own strength. You know what I sense Jesus saying to us this morning is, come, let me give you a hug and let me tell you again and let me fill you again with how much I love you and how worthy you are because of your faith in me. Maybe you're here and you're saying, but actually, I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I don't really see why I should because actually I'm a good person. I look down the Ten Commandments, I've not killed anybody. I've not stolen anything. I don't commit adultery. I honor my father and my mother. What, what's, what's the issue here? But Paul says actually the only way that we can have a relationship with God is through faith in Jesus. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. Paul's saying that the works that we do, those things that we kind of go, well, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Look at me, God. He's like, I'm sorry, that, that's, that's worthless. It's, it's actually a hindrance. The person you need is Jesus. Let me encourage you, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, to take that bold step and say, right, come on, Jesus, show me who you are. Let us pray with you this morning and ask Jesus to meet with you. The second question, and this is what I'm going to close with, is this. What is it that we value more than Jesus? Now hear me right, these are all good things, but Jesus wants to be a surpassing worth. He wants to be the number one. And is it that we value our family more than him? Is it that we value our health more? Is it our comfort? Is it our friends? Is it our career? Is it our partner? Is it our parents? Is it our reputation? Is it our time? What are the things that we value more than Jesus? What are the things that stop us seeing Jesus as being of surpassing worth? Let me dare you this morning to ask Jesus for yourself. Jesus, just show me anything in my life where I value those things more than you. And if he says stuff to you, let me encourage you to be bold and hand that to him and go, you know what, Jesus, I j just, just take it. <laughs> Please take it from me. Help me to get it in its rightful place. And if you'd like us to pray with you as well about that, Please, come, let us pray with you. Please don't leave here without having some encounter with Jesus because Paul says, that's what changed my life. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to spend a bit of time worshipping. If you'd like to come and be prayed for, please do. Please come and come to the side over here. There'll be people there to pray with you. So let us pray. Precious Jesus, we come to you afresh this morning in reflection on what Paul has written to the Philippians and we say, Jesus, you are worth it all. 
you are worthy of it all, everything that we have. Would you help us to see you as being of surpassing worth? Would you help us to lay down the things that we hold more dear than you? But Jesus, we also come to you humbly and confess those things that we've been relying on and desperately trying to do to earn favor with you. And would you help us to let go of those and to fall afresh into your arms and to receive afresh from you this morning that love and assurance of just how worthy we are because of faith in you. Not because of what we've done, but because of what you have done. Not because of the things we do in our flesh, but because of faith. Holy Spirit, would you come now and move upon us and upon our hearts? Would you just come again and circumcise our hearts and cut away the things that are harmful? the things that hold us back from falling afresh into your arms. Lord, may we say in the words of the first song that we sang this morning, Lord, I need you. Oh, Lord, I need you. You are my one defense. You are my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Feel free just to sit, kneel, stand, sing, whatever you want to do. Do business with God this morning. And if you'd like to be prayed for, please do come over to the side. But let God do do his work with you. Holy Spirit, do your work now. Amen.